get your name and sound check on you real quick. This is Dan Hammond, and I'm giving Charlie a sound check. You have a voice for radio. You really, you really <laughs> should. <laughs> you really should go on the radio. So, Well, welcome to the podcast, Dan. Uh, you are a man of many, many hats in the continuing committee, aren't you? I, I, I've been doing a lot of things, yes. Well, I, I guess I'm having a good time. Well, that's good, and that's important. So, I mean, tell us, tell everybody out there a little bit about how you got into Star Trek CCG and how you came to be where you are today. I remember back uh, the first the first year we all came back. Uh, we graduated from high school. We all went out to college, and we all came back for uh, for Christmas break. And uh, someone. We went off to the game store, and someone was walking around with these Star Trek cards. That was kind of like Magic, which is a game that I had played previously, but it was, it was Star Trek. And we automatically, just we all bought a starter, sat down, tried to figure out what the heck we were going to do with not enough cards to play with. Um, and it kind of took off from there. Uh, I was a tournament director for years, uh, an ambassador for a few years. Uh, took some time off for various reasons. Then came back and was a de agent for a few years, and uh, all the way up to the end of the second time. And you did you have any reservations about the transition from Decipher to the Continuing Committee? I think I had more reservations about the change from first edition to second edition, just because it seemed as if a lot of the same pieces were in place. You know what I mean? I mean. Um, being a, being a, I, I was lucky enough to be a playtester back in the Decipher era, and it pretty much went kind of the same way, playtesting the first virtual set. It, you know, Brad put stuff up, we responded, and we went on to the next one. So it felt very um, uh, coherent and un, unchanging. Well, I, I don't know how common knowledge this is, but I think it's, but Decipher didn't really have any con presence for the last three or four years of the game being out. And all of the major events were done by volunteers. Right. So it was done by Michael Keller, Matt Kirk, and eventually myself to the point where the last two years of Decipher, I was doing all of the um, TOC stuff. Like people would fax in applications to decipher, and Brad would fax them to me at my job at the time, and I would do all of the work. I would schedule everything and post all the schedules, and I was running events. So essentially, the continuing committee existed several years before it became the formal guardian of the game. So I don't know if that made the transition easier for, for everybody, but it definitely seems like seems like it made it easier for you. Yeah, it is. You know, I... I volunteered for Decipher at conventions for oh, since the first year we went to Gen Con back in '97. You know, handing out either handing out warp packs on the corner of the booth or running demos or or doing stuff. And when they stopped having a big presence, or when they switched, they did a lot of ring stuff and it just kind of faded away. Kind of, kind of felt like uh, having a big booth is a big attraction. It yeah. was kind of. It was yeah. kind of sad to just see them in the, in the just in the tournament hall, but still attracted a lot of people. You know, people would come out for just that. And I, I I'm not a big fan of the high level events because it's it's not my style of play. I like to have a good time and not get too stressed out. I stress myself out enough at the local tournaments. I don't need to go doing that crazy stuff. But I'll, I went to play in them just because they'd have a, a neat promo or something you know, like the at the personal flagship promo, I remember playing in that year, just to play, and it was always great to play different people, but I I kind of missed sitting in the booth for and talking myself hoarse, you know, demoing the, the, the Star Trek card game to just random people walking by. Yeah, and, and I think, obviously, if they hadn't gone through all of the embezzlement and everything, that right. things would have been different, but... You know, Star Trek, once Lord of the Rings came out, Star Trek always played second fiddle. 
and, and, and probably justifiably in that Lord of the Rings was so hot when it came out, was making them, you know, dump trucks full of money. But I, I know it's nice to be, even if I wasn't involved in the continuing committee, just the fact that there are such a passionate group of people that are doing nothing but working on Star Trek. It makes it, you know, seem really cool. At least I feel that way, at least. So. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know what you're best known for, but to me, you know, you've obviously a great tournament director and an excellent guy to hang out with. I've, I've met you a couple times, but uh, Section 31 is probably what you're best known for. Arguably, um, how did the the Section Thirty One podcast get started? Well, uh, remember Matt Kirk had a podcast that he uh, did about about a few episodes for, um, Wasn't and it? he would just basically bring someone on and and chat with them for a while, and um, that was I I don't like to lose. I think was what he called it. Yeah, I think that's and, right. Yeah, you were you were a guest on that at least once, right? Yeah, actually, one of my favorite stories of all time, and Matt has never let, let me live this down, but yes, I was on that, and I think I was on it the year, I don't remember if it was 2005 or 2006, but it was the year that I co-judged Worlds with Matt, and we had some drama about deck checks, and it was a big incident that was just unpleasant, and I think I was on to talk about that and sort of explain why the decisions were made that they were made, but uh, he asked, at one point he said, well, how can people get a hold of you? And I spelled my email address and spelled my name wrong. And, and, <laughs> and, and he, 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 I just, you know, said, well, you can contact me at cplane.gmail.com or whatever. He's like, did you just spell your name wrong? And I'm like, I, I couldn't have. And he stopped and and went and played it back, and he was like, yes, I spelled my last name wrong, so we re-recorded it, and he's like, that's totally going in the, the outtake show at the end of the season, which never happened, but... So not, now everybody in the world knows that, yes, I cannot <laughs> spell awesome. my own last name, but yeah, Matt did I Don't Like to Lose. It was, it was somewhat irregular, but it was it was well-produced, and it was, it was very cool. Yeah. I remember. So, uh, when, after he had kind of gone hiatus for a little while, um, and Actually, I think it was the summer that I was between jobs. And I, I just kind of discovered uh, podcasts online and I was listening to just a, a ton of them, you know, watching Dignation and listening to, like, uh, the tech guy and all kinds of kinds of uh, line stuff. And I said, uh, yeah, I kind of came to Matt and said, you know, we could totally do this. You know, Rogue and I have known each other since we were in second grade. And that's, you know, perfect chemistry to just chat for a while um, and he was he was on board so I think it was just about the time that uh, the first set was going to come out, the first virtual set because I think we spoiled uh, As It Were or something like that it was in the first episode so we uh, you, you know, now, now it, we, we're smart board over Skype, you know for the first episode we moved over to uh, our this, this big storage area over here. I've run a few tournaments in it. It's like a big uh, community clubhouse for uh, for, uh, for the for the, uh, the condo association that I live in. And we just dragged our computers over there. And I was on one channel, and he was on the other channel, left and right. And we just recorded for about I don't know four or five hours of just random, just talking and making up stories and <laughs> just basically entertaining ourselves. <laughs> and that edited it down to. Whatever the final episode ended up being, and uh, I, I, I think we've gotten better as time goes on. Uh, you know, not every show is perfect, but we definitely have a lot of fun doing it. Otherwise, we you know we 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 do it less frequently. We still try to do it every week. Every once in a while, something comes up, especially during the summer when we have con things going on, or or rogues off traveling, or uh, or if we can we can't do it, or we can put it off by a day. But I still, you know, I just have a great time talking about the game. What I'd like to do is kind of expand it a little bit and every once in a while just talk about something else. You know, like some other random game we're playing or something else going on. It, I think it, we always just end up talking about Star Trek so much that we get enough for an episode and then stop. Yeah, it, it's it's certainly one of the highlights of my week, even though 
uh, I know that there have been times when the goals of, of myself and the podcast have not aligned, but uh, information has been obtained um, uh, un, out of undue course. But yeah, it, it's that you guys obviously have been friends for a very long time, and, and that that dynamic is very enjoyable to listen to. And, uh, I mean, is it is it taxing for you guys to do? Or I mean, obviously you wouldn't do it if you didn't enjoy it, but is it something you'd like to keep doing for the the duration or, you know, do it until we don't want to do it anymore type of thing? Or is this something you see having a limited lifetime? No, I mean, we pretty much just, just talk for a while. And it's, it's really not difficult <laughs> for us. I mean, because, you know, we just talk. Every once in a while, you know, if, if there's a certain topic that uh, that we need to talk about, like, um, I don't know, we want to talk about leagues or league results or, or a certain tournament. Like, we just recorded our world's kind of wrap. Sometimes it takes a little effort of, to try to divvy out what divvy up what each of us is going to talk about, or just do some research and figure out you know maybe how to pronounce somebody's name or get all the results in one place so we can read it off a little quicker. That takes a little bit of time, but I think some of our best episodes we just kind of showed up and it's like, all right, what are we going to talk about? I don't know. Let's just go. And then we did it, and it, you know we ended up just going off on tangents, and it was a fun time. Well, I, I think uh, someone. So I was looking on the chat room on the on the continuing committee site, and someone said, "You know, Star Trek info is great, but listening to you guys bicker is fantastic." <laughs> I, I yeah, I, I definitely agree. So, the chat room. I, I know that you are a regular fixture in there. So, uh, I wouldn't say all the time, but but a lot of times during the day. I mean, do you do you enjoy? Do you just lurk, or do you, do you enjoy the the interplay that's in there, or? What kind of a resource is the chat room for you as a member of the continuing committee and a podcaster? It's, uh, well, I, I've got a job that half the time I'm sitting at my desk, you know, either looking over data or entering data or sending off emails and things. And the other half I'm in the lab trying to fix something that somebody broke. So when I'm sitting down, I usually just log in the chat and, you know, kind of try to keep working while I'm chatting with everyone else. Um, I, I like chatting with him. It was, it's Altoid that I met when I was out at uh, at uh, at Columbus for Origins and uh, just chatting with people that I've met here and there. But I, I've used it recently to kind of hone crazy deck ideas that I had or someone says something in a chat that makes me sit down and put a deck together. And I think that's what I've used as the, or the, the, the genesis of my deck for the last couple of weeks. Something that's come up in chat or something that I threw out in chat and People say, hey, well, you should try this. And then I'm like, oh, that's a fantastic idea. And it's been a lot of fun. Uh, as far as from a continuing committee point of view, I, I suppose every once in a while I'll uh, I'll run across someone who has a shipping question. You know, how can I order this kit or this order to go through? And it's a lot faster than sending a PM off. Um, but, you know, I, I it's a good place to relax when I'm, I need my mind to wander and do something else so I can, I can solve a problem I'm working on. It's It's nice to see. One of the things that, that I really like about the chat room, I, I I knew that we were getting new players because we were getting a lot more forum registrations and you know going to Gen Con and, and glad handing with so many people is is amazing, but it didn't really sink in until they started coming into the chat room, and and it, 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 it's almost to the point where every day or at least a few times a week somebody is signing into the chat room and saying. Oh, I just discovered this site, and I used to play, and I didn't even know it was still around. And then we end up having a two-hour conversation with them about yeah. the game, and they are get they either donate money by the end of the day, or they're going on eBay and buying more cards, or we put them in contact with somebody. But there is real quantifiable, uh, a real sense that there are new people or returning players joining this game and joining this community on a regular basis, and that to me that makes this whole thing, all the effort, just totally worth it. Yeah, it's great to see someone come in there and look around, you know, start asking questions. I feel like I can answer 20 questions. Two weeks, eh, I'm pretty good at it, but not so much. But, you know, when they say, you know, I'm, I'm from this area, and we can look at the player map and say, well, you could go, go to a tournament here. That's that's pretty cool to get get people and get them connected and, and you know, have them just join the community both online and, and in person. That's That's a lot of fun. It's just it, it it really just amazes me the fact that this game has been out of print. Second edition has been out of print going on three years, and we're still getting new players joining the community because of what we're doing. But you know, it's 
you're t- and in no small part thanks to your efforts. So this is me thanking you. Yeah. Well, well um, it's part. Uh, I don't want to say greed, but you know I've got my own motivations because I like playing the games. I want as many people play too. So let's let's talk about your work for the continuing committee. Uh, it's it's absolutely no secret that I was terribly behind at sending out prizes and, and orders, and you are my savior in that regards and have become our our shipping manager. What what does it involve wearing that hat for the for the continuing committee? What kind of things do you have to do and think about? Uh, it, 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 the work comes and goes. Um, some weeks I don't have anything to do, or or there'll be one kit that I've got to put together and, and send off. And some weeks it's I've got thirty kits that all of a sudden appeared, and I've got to cut up another thousand cards <laughs> and, and and make a bunch of foils. Um, I, I've, I've got to recount how many cards I put together. I think for the first Gen Con, it was about 800 uh, because we did the, the release event for uh, this side of Paradise and we made up, I made up packs for people to play with. But uh, I still yeah, get it, people talking about those tournaments, by the way. So. <laughs> That's awesome. But I'm looking at the, uh, the requisitions list right now and there's uh, about 25, 30 orders that uh, that have piled up in the last five days or so. And it happens when there's a new a new kit up. Or right now we've got the uh, I've got to finish packing up the pre-release kits for uh, straight and steady. But each kit this requires a couple of cards and a couple of foils. So usually I'll uh, I'll put in a request to our printer to have about ten sheets of nine cards made and. Uh, I get those delivered every two weeks or so, and I'll take them, cut them up, and mark them up, and paste them down on cards, and then send them off. Usually, it's a couple nights a week of just cutting up. I was thinking about doing some cutting while we were doing this, but I seem to have forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> but try not to let it pile up. And, uh, and it's uh, we've got all the tools thanks to no uh, no uh, small amount of work from you. I've got enough tools here that I can. FedEx things that I need a FedEx. I've got a little scale here and, and some online stamping things, so I don't have to stand in line at the post office anymore. I can just stamp everything, label it up, and then drop it off on the way to work. That's really nice. That helps a lot. Um, but it's a lot of organization and a lot of running things off and cutting things up. i got a brand new little uh, cutting tool here from the scrapbook store that's got a little line on it so I can slice straight lines. But if nothing else, I've gotten really good at making virtual cards, so all my virtual cards look fantastic. Well, you know, that's that's what we call a hidden benefit right there. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. And the other hidden benefit, I had three or four, like, uh, I don't know, foot-long, foot-wide just boxes of just cards sitting on the garage. And I'm slowly going through them one at a time because I can't bring myself to throw things away, especially Star Trek cards. Mm-hmm. Now I've got a happy home for them. I'm just Slapping things on top. Here's a pile of cards here. I've got a board queen from set eight. One who was many. That was plenty of those. It's going to be, it's going to turn into a new uh, uh, Antac foil. So I feel a lot better about not throwing stuff away. Excellent. So see, I'm, I'm a pack rat too. I, I tend to be a digital pack rat. Uh, Mike Gerard um, used to work for Decipher. He currently works for uh, Cryptozic, who does the World of Warcraft card game. He emailed me the other day, and he's like, do you have this random thing that was sent out by Decipher like six years ago? And I ha- I went back through my Gmail archive, which I have emails. I have every email I've ever been sent, ever, in my Gmail, all the way back to when I opened the account in 2004. So I'm digging back, searching through this, and I was able to find a few things he was looking for. And then I have... Uh, a box of burned CDs and DVDs with files on it. So I started going through those. Oh, wow. I just I, I am a digital pack rat, and I and I still have lost probably hundreds of gigabytes of stuff that I didn't get to save before a hard drive died. Or, but yeah, I, I'm not so much with the clutter, but definitely with the <laughs> the data byte, the bit, the bits, which fortunately wow. a lot less space taken up. So at some point, I lost uh, a hard drive full of things, you know, um, yeah. and it was, 
you know, random, it was about a couple of years ago, so I had, like, playtest files, and same, same as you, I mean, I saved every, every version of the playtest file that went out, I, I probably, I'd saved somewhere, because then I was going to email it out, and I did, and I just never bothered deleting them, so, all that stuff disappeared, cards that I made, or, like, back when we were playing Star Wars, you know, before the title wing set came out, a bunch of us sat down and just crashed together a bunch of cards in Photoshop, and Pat ourselves on the back and then got a cease and desist notice and post them somewhere. But all that stuff is disappeared. It's too bad. Yeah, I I ran a project for a, about a year prior to the continuing committee called Section Thirty Two, actually. <laughs> and it was a it was a dream card team. I was very active on the dream card boards in on the Cypher's website ran a couple contests and all this other stuff. And I was like, you know, we should put together a team of people and make dream card expansions. But I, I know one of the things that was always annoyed me about dream cards is people would make just ridiculously overpowered cards. You know, they would make a, a Jean-Luc Picard with 11 skills who cost one and did right. like five things. It's like, well, that's just, that's not cool. And there's no challenge in that. Anybody can make something that's broken. The challenge is making something that's realistic. At least I thought so. So I recruited a bunch of people, and I actually had uh, Malowis, Chris Lobin was on the team, and uh, Richard New, the Guardian, and Wayne's Last Clone, who one of our runners-up in Make It So. Yeah. And we made, we made, I think we made three full 120-card Dream Card expansions prior to the point where... Um, the game was discontinued. And I, I, I had an ulterior motive because for a long time I smelled the end. Really? Like, I, around these are the, this, these are the voyages time frame, I got recruited by Brad to help. And so I was actually working on design and, and stuff like that. And uh, I, I kept asking him, like, you know, is the game wrapping up? Because, you know, you're, you're putting a lot of things in that are, you know, missing. And then we got to testing what was eventually called What You Leave Behind. And I kept asking him, and he kept dodging me. And, and knowing yeah. Brad, I got to know Brad very well. Because I've, I've been working with Brad one way or another for over almost six years now. So I consider him a close friend, and I, I know him very well. Uh, I knew he was ducking me. And I assumed that he knew that I would figure out that he was ducking me. So I, w I was thinking, well, if the game's going to end, I want to put together a player's committee. And if the game's going to end, I want to make new cards. So I should go ahead and put together a team of people who can design new cards. So the original ulterior motive behind my dream card team, and I apologize for derailing your podcast, but uh, um, <laughs> the original motivation was that if the game ended and we had to create a players committee, this organization would make new cards and would become the development arm of the the players committee for Star Trek. Well. That was all well and good until I got an email from Brad saying, I want to make cards for you. And at oh, that point, right. it was like, uh, okay, sure, you can do that. <laughs> and, and I didn't, you know, I I felt bad telling the, the guys, you know, hey, Brad's designing cards, so uh, we're not we're not going to do this anymore. But, yeah, it all worked out for the best. So Certainly. But I don't remember how we got off on that tangent. But any, anyway, shipping, shipping manager know. stuff. Um yeah, so I send off a lot of packages. Uh, I'm off a lot every once in a while. But um, it's been, I mean, I've, I've got to put together the kits for Worlds. i got to put together the kits for uh, Continental. So I get to have a, you know, a voice. And, you know, Johnny will post a couple of ideas for, you know, what pictures to use. And I get a vote to see which one it's going to be. And that's, that's kind of cool to see, see beforehand. And then, well, it was forever. I was surprised how long the world promos were kept secret. Um, that was that, that was that was kind of cool. And then they just showed up that that day, and everyone was like, "Wow, that's fantastic!" And, you know, I, I I put all this together, so I'm glad people liked it. That's great. Yeah, we were going to keep them secret until the Monday after the event, but I was asked to post them earlier, so we did. And now everybody, I feel bad for the people who just couldn't go to Worlds who couldn't get them, but we, we needed to celebrate the first Worlds in Europe with something yeah. special. So I'm glad we did that. But so have you started, have any decisions been made about the next cycle of virtual promos? Uh, I think there is a, an idea board of about, uh, 
I don't know, eight or nine for each. But I, I think there there was a suggestion to have a uh, kind of like they do the vote vote for the All Star game, All Star team, where you know, everything's posted and there's like there's one slot left. The community gets to vote for the one of the last three, you know, to, to fill that slot. I think there's there was a suggestion to do that. I think it's a great idea. So that should be coming up probably at the end of the month, so we can get things together. But yeah, you know, that, that's another thing I get to put together and get to kind of have a hand in. Uh, well, is, I, I don't know. Is, go, go ahead. Yeah, it, it seems like every time we do it, we have a different uh, kind of goal in mind for the virtual cards. The last one was a theme of uh, a theme of all the the distance. The one before that was a bunch of cards that worked really well with the teams from Allegiance. Uh, so I, I I don't I don't recall what the next one was. I think it was just a fan favorite something on the, was the, was the next set. Well, so, but it was all girls. Set three was yes, uh, that's right. was all girl cards to go with these voyages or this side of paradise, and then set four was the artifact, the rare artifacts, and one personnel for each team, and then this last one was like hard to find cards. Right. Uh, I don't know. Yes, I, I, I don't know what we're gonna I do for set two of that uh, that uh, Jake Cisco. So I was very happy to have an extra one. I was joking in the chat room today that I'm gonna start just making them all cards I need. But <laughs> yeah. is there is there a card for for two e or one e that you if you could pick one what what would you pick? I I've got a deck that uses a card that apparently I'm the only one on the planet, and um, it's the Enterprise D from uh, uh, Dangerous Missions, and that was a card that only came one in the Federation set, and. I only ever played in, well, I guess I played in six events because I ended up with at least two of each one, but I never had a third Enterprise D. And I, I, I happen to like that the, uh, the game text on it of scoring 10 points if you got some command stars on board. Yeah. So the, there's a deck I like to play with it. So that's that's one I would like to have just to get a third because that was a really hard deck. And maybe the last, the second to last, the second to last card, I, I needed a third for a play set of. Well, if I ever run across one, I will send it to you, just so you can have it. <laughs> well, like I said, I think I'm the only one, who, <laughs> the only one at least in this area, who has ever played with it. So, if I really need to, a third to go off to Worlds and, and run, I'm sure I can borrow one. That's not an issue. <laughs> well, recently, uh, you added a new hat to your collection of assistant designer for first edition. You are one of the members of the design team for Straight and Steady which is coming out on the 22nd of October. Can you tell us a little bit about how you joined the team there and what it meant to you and how things went? Tell some stories, Dan. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, months ago, before the project started, um, I think it was, it might have been you, who asked, hey, do you have any interest in you know, helping out with design on this? And I said, no, no not at all. Because I have not seen more than one episode of Enterprise, and I believe I am not qualified. <laughs> and then I borrowed the first season of Enterprise from someone and watched most of it in a week. And then I said, "Okay, yes, I, I think I'm qualified now." <laughs> and then I proceeded to watch the other three episodes, the other three seasons, all in a row. Um, and I really got into it. It was a lot of fun, um, despite what uh, all the bad things that I've heard about how horrible the first season was. You know, watching it all back-to-back, and uh, there was an episode or two that I didn't like, but, man, uh, having everything just go together, and then in season two, where they were starting to find their way, and then season three was fantastic with the, the oldest indie, and, the, and season four just makes me sad that it ended when it did, especially with all the stuff I read about online, how Shran was going to be up with the crew, and all kinds of other crazy things are going to happen. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, did you... Did you read all that season five stuff? Because they'd already started breaking stories and everything. And the one that well, the one that I would have really liked to see was uh, they had pitched a story where um, Alice Kier- Craig Kierg, woman who played uh-huh. the Borg Queen in First Contact, was going to play a Starfleet medical technician who ran afoul of the Borg that got away in, oh. in the second season. And became the board queen. So oh. they, they were going to tell the story of how that happened. But like, because of all of all of the 
TNG uh, species that showed up on Enterprise. The Borg episode, yeah. I actually thought, was very well done. It made sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Ferengi running around on Enterprise, not so much. But the Borg was a, it was a well done episode. And they had pitched a story about, you know, that actress coming on the show and playing a, a Starfleet tech who gets assimilated and ends up being the Borg Queen. And I just thought oh. that would have been so cool. Yeah. So, uh, after I said yes, because I had felt I had a little bit more uh, background in the Enterprise thing, uh, I joined up and it was, uh, it, it, things went very quickly. It was, here's a bunch of affiliations and things we want to do. Uh, everyone picked one. And uh, I picked one and you picked one and then I stole yours because I completely forgot that you picked yours. <laughs> <laughs> tried to get that team to be in Allegiance. Ah, that was cool. one That was one of my pitches. I was like, please let me do them because I, I just was in love with that episode. Yeah. And it ended up, we ended up not doing it, and, and rightfully so. But when the opportunity came up to do it for one, I was like, this would be cool. I can do it in money. And then you, you know, you did it. And I was like, well, these are excellent. And I don't think I'll ever be able to top. I think I added, I think I suggested one card that we ended up cutting anyway. But, uh, oh, but I, yeah, but I really did like that card. I'm looking forward to it coming back. Yeah, I, but I, I was like, you, well, you, you did just as well as I did. So I think I went and did the Ferengi, and then they got cut. <laughs> so I ended up doing this, like a second pass on the Klingons that Jason had done originally. And, and it, it ended up great. I mean, the Ferengi will come in eventually, and the set looks fantastic, but yeah. didn't mean to derail your story. So. We all pulled affiliations and did that, and then yeah. where did it go from there? And, and I actually also did a uh, a little mini Borg uh, that that I was Borg or, or my I, I'm the only one around here that plays Borg. Matt, Matt will play Borg every once in a while in, in one e, but usually when I drop the Borg deck, people just kind of sit back and say, "Okay, go ahead. I don't understand it, so just tell me what you're doing, and and then I'll take my turn when you're not going anywhere." <laughs> um, so I I did Borg to Worlds last last year when I two years ago when I played uh, yeah last year when I played that was that was a good time so I uh, I put together a few personnel because they were I think, I think they're the backwards compatible guys uh, from the from the Chewie set and an objective and uh, it didn't really work out and or an interrupt too I really like that interrupt that's got to be booked on the shelf but. Um, it, that's interesting to do because unlike other things that are straightforward, you do missions in order, kind of just horribly backwards. And that episode was a kind of backwards Borg episode because they're not trying to assimilate everyone. They're just trying to escape and, you know, get back to where they were. So trying to do a backwards backwards just didn't work out for me. And I, they were cut rightfully so. Well, we just had so many cycles of cards we could put in. I mean, there's Adorians and Tellarites and Orions and Sulaban and Ferengi and Klingons and Romulans and Starfleet and Vulcans and Zindi. There's just so many. We couldn't put them all in one set, so... No, not in a, not in a, a mini virtual set. You know, if this were a huge standard back in the day, one he said, I'm sure we would have found room. But in our constraints, yeah, it was... I'm very happy with with the remaining cards that ended up. I think I also, in the beginning, had pitched a bunch of, uh, I guess, meta dilemmas. Kind of like in, you know, in, in Tui, you can just make a dilemma that smacks something and anyone can throw it in the level pile and if they're not playing against, say, Federation, then maybe they don't use uh, moral choice. But it can be in the demo of Dilemma pile and it's not going to be too much of a hindrance. But in 1E, if you're going to put a dilemma in, you need it to hit because you only got three at that mission or four at that mission at most if you're crazy. So having dilemmas that specifically target a certain deck type, when that deck type is you know, a one in five shot of even being seen at the tournament doesn't didn't work quite as well. We were able to salvage one or two of them by 
broadening one of them a lot and giving it a more generic, uh, a generic target. That's fun. I'm looking forward to that. Unfortunately, that was the anti-board card, so I kind of hosed myself there, but, um, the other one or two kind of changed when, 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 uh, some cards were put on the errata file and, and one made it through. And actually, one kind of meta-y card that, that you could put in made it through, too. I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, so. Yeah, the, and the, the, so they are meta choices, but they're also, they're, they're going to work no matter what. They're going to work better Yeah. if you're running, like, and and I think the best analogy is the, the Delta Quadrant stuff. Yeah. It was in exactly. Life and Lifelessness. You know, they work, but they work a lot better if it's a Delta Quadrant action. So, yeah, because you're, you know, you're, you're done on that. So. We wrote all the cards, and this was you know, three months ago, four months ago. Then we start testing. So, so, and one e hasn't been in development, at least with the continuing committee, very long. You know, straight and steady is only the second time we've done this, and this is, this may be a bit of a spoiler, but you, you're working on the next set too, correct? The project Lupin. Yeah. So. Tell, tell us a little bit about how the, the testing and development phase went and what lessons we learned there that we're going to be able to put in place in the next expansion. It's interesting. Even with a small set, it, we, we, we ended up not... Since we have a small pool of 1E playtesters, each playtesting pool is is a small small group of people. I remember back when, when we were doing, like... Uh, I don't know, the, 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 what's, uh, the second, the first set that Tui came out with Starfleet was Captain's Log, is that right? Oh no. Uh, Twill to Go. Twill to Go. And then the next set after that was the first one, I think we started playtesting heavily. So, there were four people in our playtest group, plus a fifth guy that came in every once in a while. And I think Matt, Matt was running the show back there as the head, as the lead playtester. And he would give us assignments for, okay, Dan, you play the Romulans, and you play the Borg, and Rogue, you play the Klingons, and you play the Bajorans, and, you know, uh, Franklin, you got the Ferengi, because that's really much what you do. And Thomas, you play Maki, because you like that kind of thing. And we'd rotate around, and we'd make a lot of decks, and we'd bring a lot of things. With, with this one, he said, funny, there are so many affiliations. And it's just, so much harder to get everything tested. I mean, the, 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 you can, you can write a bunch of Starfleet cards and have a couple of non-aligned cards and those non-aligned cards should be tested with every affiliation. And it's just really hard to, to focus on anything. And the dilemmas, uh, the dilemmas, I mean, there are so many different ways you can run a dilemma deck in, uh, that's, uh, that's not fair. There's a lot of ways you can run a dilemma file in, in 2e, but, that to be to test dilemmas properly, you need to throw an away t- an, a, a generic away team of every affiliation from Borg to to Kazon to Herogen and, and all the way to Starfleet, and that's it's really hard to do. And I don't think I mean our playtesters did a fantastic job of 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 testing as much as they could, but uh, it it's hard to it's hard to get the feedback that we're looking for. When not uh, just you know, there's just not enough. There's not enough human resources out there running around playing for us. I think there's there's a there's a plan to do things a little differently and do a little more focused testing in, in stages for the next set. I hope I I think that'll do well. Um, and I think we're I think we're kind of we have a little bit more focus in this set. I mean, the last set it was. We're going to fix a little problem with Starfleet of them not being on a time location. We're going to do some 22 stuff, and we're going to make some dilemmas that uh, you know that, that that hinder things that are good. And we'll give a few people a few sprinkling things. And in this set, it's we have this goal. It is X Y, and most of the cards that we've written specifically look at that and say this fits. This key and this fits this lock, and, and we're gonna we're gonna put it together. And it's gonna do this, and it's very exciting. I, I, I think this is a great idea of of what the what the design goal is for the set. Um, and, and of course, there's you know 
give everyone who didn't get something something, maybe that we could squeeze it in. And, and uh, if we can do this other little thing that we've been trying to do that has become a problem, that we can fit that in there too. But wow, it's it's I, I feel like it's it's a lot more targeted. And when you have a, a specific goal to write to, it's a lot easier. Cards seem to just kind of fall into place a little bit better. Yeah, and, and it's it's not that the straight and steady cards weren't tested. They they pretty much oh, all, no, all no, got all. tested. And it, if anything, if we weren't one hundred percent sure on a card, we, we weakened it pretty we, pretty badly. We, we so. actually there were if I don't remember there was at least two cards that we said this is a great card. I really like this card. We haven't tested this card enough. Let's put it, push it back. Yeah, really one that I was I was very happy with, um, and I really wanted to be a card, but it just wasn't. Yeah, it's just with even yeah. with even with a full playtest team, we'd need more time. Yeah, it was it was it was a great card, but it you know if it went wrong, it would have went wrong very badly, and we didn't feel comfortable with it. It was such a yeah. cool card too. I know, and we're totally teasing everybody out there. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it had it was like a perfect storm. It was it was cool game text. It was useful game text. It was an awesome image that Johnny had picked for it. I hope we can bring it back. I really yep. do, but I, I look at this this first three expansions, you know, Life and Lifelessness, Straight and Steady, and then this new one, like a like you know, it's like a sort of like a sandwich where, where Life and Lifelessness and this end one are, are very uh, a little bit of everything. You know, everybody gets some love, uh, a lot of multi-purpose tools with you know Enterprise in the middle. Enterprise was the meat, Life and Lifelessness, and this new one are, are the bread, but. No, no sandwich is good without bread. So, yeah. It, and and this next expansion is going to really make it likely and possible for virtual one e play. This one and the one after that, we have a very we have a very comprehensive plan for one e. We've put our noses to the grind and and really figured out what we're going to do for the next three years, three or four years for first edition. But uh. This time next year, 1E Virtual Play should be in full swing, and all sorts of 1E players, people who quit playing in 95, 96, 97, all the way on, should be able to jump back in, especially with this, the one after the straight study. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's a lot of, it, like, like this, the next one, it's got a lot of goals, and if, if we can make it happen, I think it's got, it's got a tool for kind of a sealed environment. It's got it's got everything, but that's a long ways away. Yes. So back to straight and steady. Mm-hmm. What you know? How much time of yours does it take to work on these cards? Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a. Uh, I, I work. I work far away from my house. I, I've got fifty miles to go in each direction, um, and most of the time. Someone else is doing the driving, and I'm, a, you know, in the backseat either taking a nap or scribbling down notes, or I've got the laptop open and I'm working. So I've got about 10, 10 hours a week that I can devote to to projects like this. Sometimes I write role-playing games for, for our Friday night games. Sometimes I'll do, uh, you know, work on some triple stuff. And, and a lot of time I'm just sitting down, throwing ideas on the screen, and then deleting them because they're horrible. And, you know, at the end of the week, I've got a few things that, that, I'll, that, I'll, that I'll post in the boards. Um, and like I said before, I, sometimes at work I'm sitting down in front of the computer. I just tab out, and throw something down, and and then uh, and then save it, and come back to it later. It, it takes a lot of work. I mean, it, I mean, these are all coming out of pretty much thin air. So, <laughs> but I've got uh, I've got at least one other, one or two other guys that we bounce ideas off of for play testing, and and, it, and it's very helpful. Yeah, and we had a solid team for straight study too. Jason Certainly. and myself, and, and I didn't really do that. I was kind of like the the cruise director. I was just kind of keeping people on schedule. But uh, you and Stephen and Jason did did a good job, and the testers did a great job. So I'm really looking forward to this set coming out. It's it's really beautiful, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, we each it was a good team, and that each of us had like you know strengths. Uh, Stephen did an awful lot of work on on theming and you know keeping us kind of on track when we started to stray away from you know kind of what 
you know, it's real money, you know, this is, you know, character from the show, and this is what it should have, and, oh, yeah, okay. You know, that, that was very good to see. Yep. So, have you ever played a game called One True Three? One True Three? Yes. No. The, the premise of this game is that you, you're going to play, and we're going to play about straight and steady. Uh, you're going to say three things about straight and steady. Two of them are complete lies, and one of them is the truth. And it is the job of me to ask you questions, and then it is the job of the community who's listening to this to try and guess what the answer is. So I was thinking, and you can feel free to say no, at which point I'm just going to cut this whole, out, whole part out, but... Uh, We'll, we'll do three, we'll do one, two, three on straight and steady, and you'll say two things that are just lies, and one thing that is true, and then we'll invite the community to guess, and we'll give away a couple on-talk foils to anybody who guesses correctly. How does that sound? Think you play a little bit here? Yeah, that sounds great. Alright, so we're going to play one, true, three, straight and steady. So, just to be clear for everybody listening... Dan is going to tell us three things about Straight and Steady that we haven't revealed anywhere else. Two of them are not true, and one of them is true. And then I will ask a couple questions to sort of, you know, clarify what he's talking about. And then you guys out on the boards, when you listen to this, you'll have the chance to get on a discussion thread on the forums and... Back, go back and forth and, and cast your vote for which which one is true which one is false and we will reveal the answer in our next episode and we'll send out uh, what are you three on talk foils maybe one to one each to three different people who correctly guessed so does that sound like a reasonable thing to do there Dan well it's more work for me but yeah we can do that alright well <laughs> I'll buy you dinner when you come to Origins next year. Sure. All right, so Dan, why don't you give us the first thing about straight study? Well, uh, the first thing is there is a dilemma with six lines of text. Six lines of text. So what? One line of lore then? Yes. Has that ever been done in first edition before? No. So this would be a new template. I mean, same dilemma template, but it would be a new dilemma template. It would work for the Arctan, yes. Okay. Number two. Number two. There is a new affiliation making an appearance in the set. Really? Okay. Um, uh, Alright, I, I don't really know what to ask about that. Because um, obviously, giving it away might whether it's true or not, but is it is it an affiliation that you would expect to see in this expansion? Like, is it something from Enterprise, or is it something off the wall? It's something that would not surprise people who are very open-minded. Okay. And number three? Number three, there is a card type in 1E that is very similar to 2E, and we've managed to make a forward-compatible Interrupt. Interrupt. So, a, a card in Straight and Steady will be marked in some way so that it is legal in 2nd edition as well as 1st edition? That's right. Interrupts have no cost, so they're very similar to in between the two sets. And uh, with some extra wording help, it works both ways. Now that is a change in philosophy from previous discussions. Is 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 that is there a reason for doing that, or is it just done as a gimmick? I want to say gimmick, but uh, it was an interesting card, and we talked to Brad, and he uh, gave us a thumbs up. Sounds good. So choice number one is six line dilemma. Choice number two is a new affiliation makes its appearance. Makes its first appearance in Straight and Steady. And choice number three is Forward Compatible Interrupt. That's right. 
Okay, so everybody get on the forums and find the one true three straight and steady edition thread and vote for which one you think is true. And if you happen to guess correctly, we will we will send you a prize. So Dan, I will personally send you a prize. Dan will personally send you a prize. <laughs> Uh, I will have very little to do with it other than annoying Dan by making him do more work. So okay, I gave myself work in the two worlds contest I threw into Section 31 a couple of weeks ago. So, so Fair enough. Dan, it's been uh, very enjoyable talking to you. Is there anything else on your mind, or do you have any questions for me that you would like to, to bring up? We still have some time. So. <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward to playing with these money cards. We have a uh, we had a release event planned uh, for the day of the release, and we're going to bump it back and have a two-week event that day so that we can actually play with the cards in the set the next week. Excellent. So, Straight Study comes out October 22nd, Friday, October 22nd. It's, as always, completely free to download at http. Uh, I screwed that up. At trekcc.com, where you find the podcast. So It's actually trekcc.org. Yes, it is. I... Totally flubbed that, so, but hey, that's what you get. TrekCC.org, Friday, October 22nd, and legal for all formats one week later. Dan, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate everything done, so we will catch you next week.